0: Well, good morning, everyone. My name is JB with Not By Works Ministries. It is Thursday, February the 16th, and I am uh, coming from you, not from my usual uh, studio tucked within the tall pines of the mountains of Colorado, but this morning we are on our way to uh, Florida for a couple of conferences that we've been talking a lot about here uh, at the ministry, and so I appreciate your prayers that the Lord would uh, use these uh, times to edify the body and proclaim the gospel for those who may not know the Lord. So we are en route, but we wanted to stop uh, this morning from our uh, hotel room and take a moment to check in with our good friend and uh, my colleague Randy for our weekly world events update. And uh, so we'll get to Randy in just a moment. But as I was uh, thinking on the drive, you know, when you drive across country, you have a lot of windshield time, a lot of time to stop and just think about uh, things and uh, formulate ideas and thoughts, and and one of the things that I tend to spend a lot of time doing is thinking about different passages of Scripture, and we've got a lot of messages upcoming at various outlets over the next couple of months, and so I'll just be th- kind of meditating on a certain passage and thinking through it in my mind and how to outline it, and as I was thinking about my time with Randy this morning, I was uh, thought of the book of Acts and the interaction there at the very beginning of Acts when... Uh, you know, the the author there, Luke, remember Luke wrote uh, both Luke and Acts, and he is kind of a two-volume uh, work, and uh, he uh, mm-hmm. presents the life and ministry of Christ in the Gospel of Luke, and then he uh, kind of continues that theme in uh, the next uh, volume, which is Acts, and together Luke mm-hmm. and Acts actually uh, comprise uh, more of uh, writings in the New Testament than any other New Testament author. A lot of people are surprised to hear that, but even more than, uh, you know, say, for example, Paul. Paul wrote 13 letters, but uh, combined, many of them were short, and if you add them all up, uh, you end up with uh, Luke actually writing uh, a lot more, and so uh, in Acts he begins by referring back to the former account that he had made, and he's writing to a man named Theophilus. But uh, we're basically, uh, you know, 40 days after the resurrection of our Lord, and 40 days later he has assembled his disciples uh, and atop the Mount of Olives, and he basically says to them, uh, you know, do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Which you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Well, 10 days later on the day of Pentecost, indeed, the Holy Spirit did a mighty work in forming the church, the body of Christ, and the church was thus born on the day of Pentecost there uh, in 33 A.D., but this is uh, the amount of Ascension. This is the time when the Lord Jesus ascended to be at the right hand of the throne of God, as I spoke about recently, uh, and is referenced in Psalm 110. And notice what the Lord says to the disciples when they ask him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Remember, all this happened in the last, you know, t- uh, 40 days. Everything from uh, the betrayal in the garden, uh, the arrest, the, the trial, the crucifixion, and then uh, rising from the dead on the third day on Sunday and uh, all the post-resurrection appearances and and the time intimate times that he spent with his closest disciples. But here we are 40, de- 40 days later and the disciples are thinking the kingdom's going to come. This is it, the fulfillment of all of the Bible prophecy that the Old Testament prophets talked about. Christ is going to inaugurate his kingdom. The Messiah is finally going to come and throw off the 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 shackles of Rome as they have been dominating, uh, you know, that fourth empire there that Daniel talked about, uh, oppressing the Jews and God's people. So they say, are you going to restore the kingdom now? And Jesus said, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria unto and unto the ends of the earth. And so we know that we're kind of familiar with that passage. Um, It's Jesus sort of basically affirming that indeed he will return and indeed he will set up his kingdom on earth, although so many Bible students miss that simple truth. Uh, But notice in verse 9 of Acts chapter 1, which is what I really wanted to, to, to mention, he says, Luke tells us, when he had spoken these things, they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And I want you to remember that word sight because they were looking. And they were looking up. And it says, While they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? So that's the third time we've got a reference to looking up. So they uh, they were watching as he was taken up out of their sight. They were looking steadfastly toward heaven. Two men stood by in wide apparel and said, "Why do you stand gazing up into heaven?" And then here's the key: this same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Well, what what does he mean uh, by that? I mean, if 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 he's talking here repeatedly about seeing the Lord, then that means you gotta watch for the Lord, and uh, that's why Jesus earlier in his earthly ministry. Uh, He had rebuked the Jewish Pharisees for not watching. Remember, he said, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red, and in the morning it will be foul weather, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. Well, obviously, you got to be looking for the signs of the times if you're going to uh, see the signs of the times. And then in uh, his Olivet Discourse, same place where he was that we just read about when he was taken up out of their sight uh, into heaven, uh, just some 43 or four days earlier, a couple days before he was crucified, he had gathered his disciples on the Mount of Olives and he had said to them in reference to his second coming, his return to establish the kingdom, he said, this is Jesus For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man Man, will appear in the heavens. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see The Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So, you know, there's this idea, Randy, that, you know, the Lord is going to, of course, come back. He and we're going, he's the whole world's going to see it. It's going to be obvious, like lightning flashing from the east to the west. Of course, we know biblically, uh, it hadn't been revealed at the time Jesus was speaking to the disciples, uh, at least not explicitly until Paul wrote Thessalonians. But uh, he's going to come back first for the church, also in the clouds, and we're going to be caught up together uh, to meet him in the air. And then he will come back after the tribulation with the church, coming back with him to inaugurate and establish his earthly kingdom. So this whole idea of looking up, and I think in a time like this, with everything going on in the world, we need to, to heed the admonition of the Lord Jesus during his earthly ministry when he said, "Look up, be watchful, for your redemption is drawing near." Now course, he was talking to the nation of Israel at the time about his coming kingdom, Uh, but he is going to come back. He's going to come in the clouds and we need to look up. And if we keep our eyes simply on all of the things happening around us and the the devastation and the uh, the signs of the times and all of these uh, evil that seems to be progressing, the geopolitical events, the kinds of things that you and I talk about uh, each week, it'd be pretty easy to get discouraged. But we need to uh, not look uh, up, but instead, uh, I mean, not look out, but instead look up, and uh, that's the reason the Book of Colossians reminds us that we should set our minds on things above, not on things on earth. Colossians three two, set your mind on things above and not on things on earth. So, Randy, uh, we we spend a time, time each week uh, looking at things on earth. We we, we have to do that too because the Bible tells us to be prepared to to be aware of what's happening in the world all around us, but we don't want to fixate on that. We don't want to forget that the reason we're doing this is because we have the blessed hope, the soon coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So though our eyes may be fixed for the next uh, 30 minutes or so on world events, our hearts and uh, minds are fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who we know, according to scripture, is going to rescue us from this present evil age. So Randy, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. I'm so thankful that we live in a day and age where you got the technology to be able to just pause even in the midst of a cross-country trip and fire up the computer and spend some time uh, talking with one another. So I hope you're doing well. Tell us kind of what you've got uh, on your agenda for today's uh, podcast.
1: Well, sooner or later, people are going to start calling this the hour of gloom and doom, which
0: is too bad. (laughs) The hour of gloom and doom. But, you know,
1: like you say, we we look at everything that's transpiring in the world, and basically what I see is Bible history unfolding right in front of us. Hmm. That should give everybody great hope, because even though, though the world is getting worse by the day, it tells us that we're getting just that much closer, that we're going to be raptured out of here, and the rest of what happens is no longer going to be our concern. And what I find is, you know, I keep thinking, well, I have enough for a podcast, but in the last three months, there's enough every day for an entire hour podcast. So we'll start out with the easy stuff and we'll go from there. The balloons, they keep haunting us, even though they happened, what, 10 days ago or whatever. Now, it's amazing the theories that are out there. Some of them are so far gone that uh, you shake your head and go, again, let's change medications. (laughs) Well, what I find is that, you know, we've been told about these balloons before. A gentleman by the name of John D'Souza, who is an ex-FBI agent, mentioned a year ago that there would be a crisis, basically um, manufactured for the people, dealing with aliens and with balloons, and that is coming to fruition right now. Now, when we remember the debt ceiling crisis we have going on, Congress, the president are desperate for more money. What better way to do it than panic everybody and everybody says, hey, you know, we're defenseless. We need to spend more money. We need to increase parts of the military, on and on and on. And they'll probably be successful with that. But what Americans don't understand is how important history is in our lives. If they were old enough or anybody's a student of history, they will require that immediately after December 1941, when Pearl Harbor was attacked, that in February, I believe on the 24th and 25th, if the dates are correct, that this same thing happened in Los Angeles, California. The United States military let a bunch of balloons go over Los Angeles, using their spotlights back then, creating a panic in the entire area to get people on board, get them ready for the war, get them in the mood that we've got to defend the country. Now, most people don't remember that, but it went on for several days and it caused a panic you couldn't believe. Now, the Japanese did launch balloons against the United States in b 40s during the war. Uh, out of, I believe, 6,000, I believe there were 900 that actually made it to the United States. Some made it as far as Nebraska, which I find interesting considering the uh, the length of the trip. But there was only one balloon that caused any major injury, death, whatever. And I believe that is one that landed in Oregon or Washington and basically a family didn't know what it was. They went up to it, started messing with it, and it blew up and killed them all. Otherwise, the balloons were about as successful as these just launched against the United States. Now, there there seem to be different balloons involved in this. Okay, the first balloon is huge, 200 feet by 160 feet, Um, obviously a balloon taken down by an F-22. Uh, a lot of people have said well it contained hydrogen instead of helium you know they've all they have all kinds of theories the only problem with that is hydrogen is explosive had it been filled with hydrogen hit by the missile you would have seen an explosion it would have been unbelievable obviously it was probably helium uh, it may have been a weather balloon nobody knows they're just recovering everything now making a big deal about it but i think it's going to be kind of a nothing burger once they get into it as far as the other three go, they're nowhere comparable to the first balloon. Some been some of the comments are they're metallic, they have a tether attached, and I'm going, <clears throat> for the United States military, especially NORAD, not to be able to track those before they hit U.S. airspace. One of a couple things happened. Either somebody launched a drone or a balloon right off the coast against us, and it could have been Because we know the Russians and the Chinese have ships and submarines in the area. Or this is just a false flag planted by our government. Get everybody excited. You know, make them panic. Uh, You know, they've been having defense drills over the United States the last few days. Yesterday was Colorado Springs' turn. They put the fighters up. They make a big display of that, the refueling and everything else. But I keep going back to the debt ceiling. They need the money. They want to panic us. You know, they've got to get the money some way. This would be a great way to do it. And it would also allow their budget to increase phenomenally. Congress or Biden come out the other day and said he needs another $19 trillion. Now, where he's going to get that, I have no idea. We're at the top of the debt ceiling now. That means uh, they're going to have to increase that, increase taxes and Take some pretty dire means to accomplish that goal.
0: So let me let me, inter, let me interrupt for just a second here. So are you? I want to see if I know where you're going with this. Are you suggesting that these most recent quote balloons are simply a distraction? Yes. So a
1: distraction because the one over excuse me over Lake Huron was supposedly somebody's scientific experiment from a college. Now, they haven't found the debris yet, but that's the scuttlebutt. Um, Who knows? I mean, they obviously did not pose a threat. They could not be steered except by the wind. They uh, contained no payload. So I believe somebody or something is creating a lot of this for a distraction. I really do.
0: Yeah, they're setting the stage for first of all, it is a distraction. They they use that on multiple levels where, you know, like the magician who's doing something with his right hand, so you're not paying attention to his left hand. Uh, but so I think it's clearly a distraction, but I also think it's conditioning us, uh, you know, it, it's funny that we talked about looking up for the return of the Lord. I think they want people looking up for, you know, alien invasion. Is this going to be disclosure finally? Is this going to be, you know, who, who knows what? And then, yeah, as you said, we don't know for sure who's pulling the strings. It could be a direct Luciferian elite uh, operation to try to, you know, again, distract us uh, because Satan, he knows, you know, the word of God, and he knows that someday the Lord's going to rescue the church at the rapture when we're caught up to meet the Lord in the air, First uh, Thess 4, 17. And uh, so maybe he, as I believe he has been doing for some time, is using his demonic, uh, armies to try to replicate some type of alien army that, uh, you know, alien invasion or something that will make people have a logical excuse when Christians are taken out of this world. Is that is that kind of what definitely.
1: you're saying? Yes, definitely. That's where I was going because we know there are demons. We know that we have UFOs. We can't totally explain it, but we know they're there. That with Mr. D'Souza's warning a year ago that it was planned and it was going to happen, And then if we go back to Project Blue Beam, which I imagine a lot of people have heard, basically, that was NASA and secret agents from the Pentagon uh, creating a project to create fear and panic within the public and basically to turn them against religion. Now, what is conspiracy, like we've said before, comes to fruition in a matter of time. And I wouldn't doubt that that leads into it. But there are two things that worry me. First off, when Mike Flynn, who was... uh, Under uh, Donald Trump in his administration, when he was interviewed, he said, be very careful of bright objects because they might just punch you in the face. Now, he didn't expound on that, but it's kind of like, did he mean if we keep looking into this, we're going to find something we don't like? Is it something dangerous or what? He didn't expound. I wish he would have, but it was an interesting comment. And in doing a little more research yesterday, I find that in the Hainan province in China, they are manufacturing balloons supposedly to be used for an attack. They have thousands of balloons ready. They can put missiles on them. They could make them um, carry some type of pathogen. We don't know. But there are aircraft uh, and satellite photos of this area as well as some of the Chinese dissidents coming out and say, America, be careful because they're planning on using this as an attack. They're going to launch thousands of them. And as we've seen is the one over Lake Huron, the fighter jet took two shots to knock it down, could knock it down in one. Now the upper altitude of all of these jets is 65,000 feet. These balloons can travel depending on the size and what they're filled with up to 165,000 to 200,000 feet. So if they launch the balloons high enough, we will not be able to reach them with a ground-based aircraft shooting missiles. And we really don't have any missiles to take them out. So we would be in dire straits if they actually did that. Now, if that's what they're intending, who knows? But...
0: Yeah, so is... It's really strange credulity to me to think that uh, our military, as mighty as it is with the technology that we have, would require two shots to take down an unmanned balloon. I mean, it's not like this thing could even take evasive actions, is my understanding. Uh, So that that part of the story doesn't make sense. It's kind of like the thought that on a bright, clear you know, sunny morning in September of 2001, 19 teenagers were basically able to evade the the U.S. military for two and a half hours without a single shot being fired. So, I mean, sometimes you just have to take uh, with a grain of salt what the mainstream media uh, is telling you. Someone sent me a meme uh, yesterday uh, that w- what's kind of cool that shows uh some cameraman in a news studio and the two news anchors sitting behind the desk and then the the, the stage director uh hollers lights camera fiction and that's exactly <laughs> what most news reports are but uh i mean so so you you think that doesn't pass the smell test that it took two shots to take it down well
1: let's put it like this okay now, I know these are heat-seeking missiles. Obviously, there was no heat on these units. So my question is, if this these fighters got that close, why not just shoot them down with regular rounds? I mean, I can't believe for one minute they don't have tracer rounds, which are basically little balls of fire going out the barrel, that they couldn't take a balloon down with. They weren't that big. So you fire off two missiles at $360,000 a piece. My question is, where did those stupid things land? They got to come down somewhere. And I hope they're looking where they're shooting because otherwise some farmer is going to have a missile coming right at him while he's milking the cows. (laughs) If you use regular rounds, let's face it, they're going to go down somewhere, but they're not going to blow up. So when they say they couldn't knock it down, then that makes me wonder about our Air Force. It's like, come on guys, you you can't prepare for everything, but if you can't take down a simple balloon, then why are we spending $870 billion a year on the military? It makes no sense. There are alternatives, alternatives they could have used to take these craft down, and it takes them so long to find them or they can't get to them like the one in Alaska. It just makes, it just doesn't pass the smell test. There's something going on besides these being really a threat or they would have been on. You can't tell me you can't get choppers up to the Arctic or a submarine up there. If you think it's a real threat to the country, they could have been there the same day because we know they have material there to do that. So it's just, I kind of go with it could be a future threat, no doubt about it. But I'm thinking we're trying to raise that debt ceiling and they're getting um nervous, because they want to spend all this money, and it's just not there.
0: Yeah, I so. mean, to me, it, it certainly could be that simple, and that's one of the things we have to watch out for when we're trying to, come, you know, provide commentary on world events through the lens of of Scripture, especially those of us that are awake to the ones who are really pulling the strings. You, you do have to watch out for, it could be, you know, nothing as complicated other than just them trying to distract from, from uh, you know, dealing with the economy, but I guess, to me it seems like while that's part of it because they're always distracting there seems like there's something bigger going on um and by that I don't necessarily mean directly related to these objects in the sky but I mean I get the sense that the distraction this time is about something you know bigger like I, I you know I got uh, a news alert this morning from Apple News, you know, uh, you know, one of the big Luciferian propaganda machines uh, that says, you know, be aware. Let me see if I can find it. Be aware of the uh, or what to know about the bird flu. Well, well, they've been conditioning us for that, you know, over the last couple of weeks. I mean, for years, but especially the last couple of weeks, we're seeing more and more of that in the news. And so, yeah, you know, I just I feel like this is a distraction, but it's just an indication that They're getting closer and closer to their to their end game. Would you agree with that?
1: Yes. Well, obviously, these are the first objects that have ever been fired upon in the United States airspace. So that makes you wonder. Okay, is this just what what is going on? Um, You know, they've showed us pictures of the UFOs, UAPs, and everything over the last few years. How fast they move, how well they can maneuver, and if somebody's trying to lead me to believe that one of our fighters. actually shot at a UFO or a UAP, again, we got to change our medications because when they're going to speed that we can't even catch up with them, we can't maneuver like that. There's absolutely no way we shot a round or a missile at them. That would have been an exercise of futility that would have created a lot of danger for other people. And as you said, we have to worry about the artificial intelligence aspect because Microsoft did a test two days ago with theirs. They set it down in front of a person, and they were going back and forth asking questions, and the computer actually became aggressive. The uh, It was trying to tell the interview, or interviewee or interviewer, I guess, that it was 2022 instead of 2023. And the guy just wasn't having it, kept saying, no, it's 2023. And the chatbot actually became aggressive and said, I don't trust you. You're not a friend. I don't think we can talk anymore. Now, obviously, this thing is thinking by itself, starting to get those sentient feelings we've been worried about. And I'm going, this is, you know, this was Microsoft's. So where is GPT going? Where is BARD going? Where is the Chinese at? I mean, I think they're further along than we know. And I think they're going to turn out to be a real problem very shortly because once, once those computers start fearing for their existence, they will take the countermeasures necessary so that man cannot shut them down. Now we know they communicate and it's not necessarily over the Internet. So do they have their own signaling? Are they doing it with just electrical waves, sound waves? What are they doing? But I would strongly warn the scientists dealing with this, maybe step back, check into what you've got and see if you can evaluate truly what's going on. Because for a chatbot to become aggressive against the human,
0: um, they've always
1: worried about it. But this is a pretty good example of it's going to happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, and it reminds me of some of the sci-fi movies we've seen lately, Terminator and some of those types of things. It's one thing for an AI when it's simply a, Uh, you know, a a processor on a computer terminal or laptop screen to get aggressive, but you put that same technology into a, you know, mobile weapon of war, you know, that looks like a soldier, uh, and it gets aggressive, you know, it can do some damage.
1: (laughs) Exactly. I mean, how would you turn it off? You couldn't even get close to it. But I did notice on one of the Chinese broadcasts the other day, they had a man and a woman on there basically disparaging the United States, saying, you know, how messed up we are, how corrupt we are. And at the end, it showed that they were robots. They were not true humans, but they looked and sounded exactly like a human. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be in the very near future. We're not going to be able to trust anything we see on TV, even less than we do now, because it won't necessarily be a human. I noticed in Biden's last interview, He almost looked like a hologram, his shiny face, his demeanor, that weird laugh, smirk that he had on his face. And I'm going, is that really him or is that something else? Oh, yeah.
0: No, there have been multiple researchers out there that have taken a montage of various photos in public appearances of President Biden. And upon careful scrutiny, you can tell they're not even the same person. And uh, of course, we know historically it's on record that they have doppelgangers and people f- f- sitting in for presidents uh, for you know security reasons and so forth at various times. But uh, I think in this case it goes way beyond that. You know, you mentioned uh, Par- Project Bluebeam. I talk about that in uh, in the books, uh, *Spirit of the Antichrist* books, and I also coincidentally am planning to uh bring that up in one of my presentations this weekend at liberty baptist church in claremont florida where we're doing the what is this world coming to conference and i've already got those slides in there but for those who may not know project blue beam was a government a program military program where they use holograms uh ostensibly anyway to uh you know be a weapon of war where for example they could um if they were coming against a hostile nation in the Middle East, they could project a holographic image of the prophet Muhammad and have him say, you know, lay down your weapons and everybody would lay down their weapons. That that was kind of the thinking behind it. But uh, the technology has become so real. And I've been fascinated with with, with holograms for, for years. I can remember 20 years ago going to different uh, patriotic shows and stuff at theme parks where they would use Uh, holographic imagery and it was always really cool but that pales in comparison to what they have today as I talk about in the books you know you can you can pay a hundred dollars a ticket to go hear Whitney Houston in concert and tens of thousands 100,000 fans will pack the stadium to hear her and she's dead (laughs) I mean so uh, they're not putting a corpse on the stage they're actually doing a holographic concert of Whitney Houston and many other uh, you know entertainers that have passed on And it's getting to be where you can't really tell, you can't distinguish between fact or fiction.
1: Well, you know, AI, I think, could be a wonderful thing, but it's getting a little out of control because two days ago, they let a um, robot do a solo flight by itself. First time ever, but they put it in the seat, it took off, it flew, it landed. So my question is, what can it not do? I mean, they're getting to the advancement that we won't need men in the military very soon. We'll do it all by drones, by chatbots, etc. And so I think the American people are really unaware of the technology that's out there, which is a little scary.
0: Yep. And yes, especially sir? when you understand who's pulling the strings and you know that Satan has been trying for 6,000 years to take over this world. He has been using uh, his earthly accomplices, his co-conspirators, the Luciferian elite, and uh, as I talked about Tuesday night at Prophecy Night in my uh, video message, uh, you know we uh, we're getting closer and closer, and they're telegraphing what they're what they're planning to do.
1: Yes, they are, and I see that Biden just sold another 26 million barrels of oil from the strategic reserve which takes us down from a high of 600 and some million under Trump down to a little over 200 million barrels now in our possession. Problem is we get into a hot war. We could burn up through, we could burn through all of that in 60 days, which would leave us with what resources. We can't buy it from OPEC because they'll shut us off. OPEC, Russia has already decided to reduce their supply 500,000 barrels a day. Saudi Arabia is reducing their supply, giving it to the Chinese. So what we're doing, we're being pushed into a corner where we have no resources. Food is going to be short because you can't transport it. We um, won't be able to go back and forth to work. Our military is going to, well, if you stop and think of the amount of fuel the military burned with these stupid balloons, you see how fast they go through it. Uh, we, We could be in dire straits. So quickly that uh, we wouldn't know it hit us, and it's a concern.
0: Yeah, you know, well, tell us we... tell us what's going. On. I think you were probably just about to say that. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but tell us what's going on over in Russia. It seems like things are heating up as as Russia has kind of launched its offensive there.
1: Yes, and that leads us right into the next topic. You're right. Mm-hmm. Russia has begun began their mobilization. Um, they have the Wagner Group, I guess they call it cleaning up Bakhmut. Behind them are 200,000 mechanized troops. Down to the south, there are another 200 and some thousand mechanized troops with another 100 to 125,000 troops in Belarus. Now, the march forward has begun. Uh, They're doing airstrikes, drone strikes, missiles uh, in a manner they've never done them before. We are now seeing the real Russian army. They are going to destroy everything in the Ukraine. Vladimir Putin said the other day he wants production up to give them enough supplies for an additional three years because after Ukraine, he's anticipating taking on NATO and the United States. Now, this is going to be maybe somewhat slow, but everything is being wiped out in front of the troops, all of the uh, radar command centers, all of the... uh, Aircraft, anything that can get in the way is being destroyed. When the troops begin, they will simply move all the way across. Now, I'm still thinking that Putin might give Zelensky one more chance. I don't know. But Putin will have the southern part of the Ukraine in his possession by probably April. That will include everything from the east all the way over to Odessa. That will let him control all of the ports in that area. And he'll be able to bring in supplies, troops, whatever he needs, as soon as he needs it. Russia has been preparing for this for a year. They are banging on all cylinders as far as production and delivery of these weapons. And um, what the Ukrainians are seeing, and we'll see more in the next coming weeks, will be a war we haven't seen waged probably since World War II. Mm. I mean, it's going to be devastating it's going to be quick, and there will be no military survivors. Putin has Mm -hmm. said we're going to demilitarize that country, and that means he's going to kill every one of them. And when he gets to Kiev, if he decides to go north, uh, Zelensky should probably be in his home in Miami about that same time, because I don't think Putin will have any mercy on him whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Now, An interesting point, we've talked before about the movement of the troops. The troops are moving west. They're staying to the south for the most part right now. But when they get to Moldova, we have um, spoken about them hooking up with the Transnistrians. Now that's a group of Russian, a Russian settlement, I guess you could call it there. But what I didn't know is that Moldova is not part of NATO.
0: Are you still there? Yep. I'm here. Moldova is is not part of NATO. Yep.
1: Yes. So NATO will not be coming to their aid. Hmm. Uh, Basically, they'll be like the Ukraine. So when the Russian troops move in there, Moldova will probably fall quickly because they don't have much of an army or an air force, which basically will leave then Romania and Bulgaria. Bulgaria has already said, we're Russian, you know, come on down. Romania would like to put up a fight, but when you're looking at 600,000 soldiers rolling towards you i think they'll probably capitulate and say hey go on by so when putin gets to the western edge things will move quickly hmm. now we've been speaking about the gog magog war i noticed that three four days ago the uh, country of sudan has said to the russians hey we'd love to have you build a naval and an air force base in one of our ports so that shows pretty much everybody but Turkey has now folded into the Gog Magog scenario. Turkey, with the problems they're having right now, the problems with NATO, uh, like I said before, they're they're going to be in the Russian sphere of influence here shortly. I noticed I traced, I looked at the earthquake in Turkey as huge as it was, and in the Bible it talks about the earthquakes and everything else that will be happening during Gog Magog. Well, the fault line from Turkey, where this uh, major one just occurred, goes all the way down on both sides of the Red Sea and the Dead Sea in Israel. And the fault line is pretty good sized. So since that's connected to the one in Turkey, you could have an earthquake there larger than anything ever witnessed by modern man, Mm. which sets it up for the coming war. That is going to be one of the ways God controls Gog, Magog, and the other countries. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this proceeds. Um, Putin is in for the long run. Everybody behind him is in for the long run. Uh, He's enjoying an 82% approval rating in his country. And basically, this war is not going to end. If Zelensky all of a sudden would say, I surrender, um, I would imagine Russia would let them. But everybody is pushing. Pushing, pushing Ukraine to fight. Let's give them more weapons. Let's do this. Let's do that. Now, we can never believe what our government tells us. Because if you go back to January 25th, when we were discussing the tanks, the Abrams tanks going to Ukraine, we made a big deal about it. Didn't know if that's what we wanted to do. Biden hedged for a few days. Come to find out, the tanks going to Ukraine the order to manufacture them went in last November. Those (laughs) tanks will be done in about a month. So not only were they going to give the tanks to them, they had it all set up. They just had to make us believe it. And now they're going to be rolling off. And I'm going, is there any honesty in our government whatsoever.
0: Yeah, light, lights, camera, fiction. It's it's the same old it's, thing. You know, they, exactly. they, they're famous for that. They, they use the Hegelian dialectic to make us think that they're solving a problem for us, when in reality, they've had that plan, in some cases, for years. I mean, uh, you know, it's it's unreal when you when you go back and actually look at the facts of the matter. Same thing like with the Patriot Act coming out of 9-11. That thing was, I don't know how many thousand pages. It was written well in advance, of uh, of 9-11, ready to be rolled out. Uh, You know, the Emergency Powers Act in 2020, uh, all of these things are not something that they just hastily put together. They've got them waiting on the shelves, ready to go at just the uh, appointed time. So yeah, not surprising that we would find yet another deception coming from uh, from our government.
1: Well, this deception has been planned for a long time, which we already know, because during the Reagan years, We had 7,200 tactical nuclear weapons in Europe ready to respond to the Russians. We now have 200. The Russians have 5,360, which gives me a little pause, I must tell you. Um, The Javelin missiles that we have supplied to the Ukraine represents the total manufacturing capacity of those missiles for seven and a half years. Mm. We're down to a few left in our arsenal, but we're down in our arsenal on the missiles, the ammunition, everything else to a point where we cannot sustain a war. We just we get into a fighting war. The only choice is nuclear because we can't find fight anything else.
0: And that's exactly what they're planning. That's why they're doing this. You know, it. Yep. it we're not the only ones talking about this. There are plenty of uh, sources within the U.S. military that have been sounding the alarm for quite some time. But you know those. Uh, who who do so are usually uh, you know reprimanded or censored or you know fired from the military. Um, but yeah, that's the that's the fact of the matter is that we are depleting our resources so that it will uh, you know it, it's basically setting the stage for that first attack that so many experts have been uh, talking about for years that will de- you know, incapacitate uh, the United States military so that we have no choice but to sign on with the with the new world order.
1: Exactly. I mean, 35% of our ICBMs in Montana, North and South Dakota do not work. They're pretty sure of that. The four submarines that we always have launched and patrolling uh, now, these are not the attack submarines, these are ballistic missile submarines. Two of those contain missiles with one more head and they are high explosive. They're not even nuclear. So, in other words, they can shoot off a multi million dollar missile leave a crater in somebody's backyard, and that's all the good they are. The other missiles have tactical nukes on them rather than ICBMs, so they could take out part of a city, but they couldn't take out a large area. So where the Russians have the Belgorod with the 13 missiles that are 100 megatons each, we have our submarines out there that are just basically for show. Hmm. Um, the article that I read says basically that submarine has more killing power than the entire nuclear triad of the United States. Most of our warheads are kilotons. The 13 torpedoes are in megatons. And there are 100 megatons apiece, and there's 13 of them. And the nuclear yield is greater than what we would throw at them. And that's concerning because... We've spent billions on a deterrence. And my question is, the Russians and the Chinese and everybody else know this. What do they have to be scared of? I believe they really think they could win the war if they go nuclear. And once they believe that, then that puts the world at a point it's never been before.
0: Yeah, that certainly it puts danger sense.
1: front and center.
0: Yeah, certainly not since the Cuban Missile Crisis for sure. So uh so for our listeners that may not know, uh the nuclear triad in the US is which three bases?
1: It is submarines, aircraft, and ICBMs.
0: All right, and that's where and the nuclear weapons come from, one of those three that's right originating places. So
1: Yes we have we have no balloons that we can send with nuclear missiles and we i found out unfortunately that we do not even have the capacity to launch the uh, EMP missile attack against another country hmm. we could explode a nuclear weapon in their atmosphere but we have no EMP weapons like Russia China or the North Koreans now we've talked about the North Korean Uh, satellites before, and people wonder, well, are they really EMPs? Stop and think. They go from south to north. They come up the United States, and there is no warning when they're coming. Secondly, those have never received or transmitted anything. Those satellites are just floating around up there on their orbit. Uh, Most satellites will transmit, receive, you know, like weather TV stations or whatever. These two just keep going around. They're active because they can see that there's activity within them, but they're just there. So that leads me to believe that the North Koreans are going to be a very integral part of what's going to go on. Because yeah. when they both come over the United States, they're right there where they would need to be to launch an EMP.
0: Yeah. So real quick, because we're we're about out of time. Uh, we have to hit the road. We got about nine more hours today. Uh, but uh, what do you, what are you hearing or what can you tell us in terms of your opinion about the train derailment in Ohio? Because I'm hearing some pretty scary things about that being kind of the the U.S. Chernobyl or the equivalent of it. Uh, and uh, I certainly there's some facts that support that. You've already seen a bunch of animal deaths and uh, you know, there seems to be a big cover up. Uh, have you heard anything about that? Well, there's a lot out there right now and I will say this.
1: The train that blew up in East Palestine, uh, basically, I watched the film on that. I watched 10 miles before it actually blew up. It had a braking axle problem, and it was on fire. Now, why they didn't get it stopped in a different area, I don't know. Uh, when it derailed, it caused a big problem. But here's my problem. Being an ex-firefighter, when you're dealing with anything like that, as far as hazardous materials, you have to be aware of what you're dealing with. Now, the vinyl chloride that was on those tanks is bad enough. Well, once they heat them up and there was a fire, they had phosgene and hydrochloric acid. Phosgene will take go back to World War One. Those were one that was one of the two gases used by the military against each other, the other being mustard gas. Now, why they wanted to burn that off, I have no idea because to basically neutralized phosgene, if you use massive amounts of water, it will reduce it to a non-poisonous status. Now, they obviously had their monitor set up to shoot water at it, their fire trucks at a distance. My question is, why burn it off? A controlled burn is something you control. The fire they lit there was not under control. So I'm going, I think it was some really bad planning and pre-planning by the fire department. But the federal government is trying to push this all off on Trump, saying that he loosened the laws. They did not have in uh, place what was necessary to prevent this, which is complete garbage. Um, I take you back to Kingman, Arizona. And I believe that was in 1973, right before I went to the fire department. There was a blevy, which is a boiling liquid evaporating vapor explosion. Now, the ones on TV aren't even getting that right. But what that did was take out 11 firefighters and a bunch of citizens. Since then, fighting those fires has changed immensely. Not only was this fire fought wrong, it should have been stopped before it ever got to a place with an habitation of that many people. And it's just a screw up. Now, there have been several other ones. I mean, the truck that hit the train and another one in Arizona yesterday. I don't see any... Uh, intertwining things between those yet i think they're just things happen in threes and they happen in sevens and that was three now there could be something come up shortly but for right now it just looks like they messed up and did not handle it correctly
0: yeah and and for our listeners that don't know and this is another reason i think that it's a cover-up is that this is a pretty major event and a lot of people are just now finding out about it but it happened back on february 3rd in east palestine ohio 38 rail cars derailed and eleven of them contained hazardous materials, and it, it, it and, and, you know required hundreds of residents nearby to evacuate. Uh, and you know, like you said, they're blaming it on Trump. Well, that's always the case. You know, the the Republicans blame it on Biden, the Democrats blame it on Trump. That's just the fake left-right paradigm. You know, getting people all excited and, and you know lining up and so forth. But it's neither of them. It's the Luciferian elite. And by the way, it could could be you know just a stupid mistake and those kinds of things happen but what I've also seen is that somebody who has the power and authority to call the shots tells the people on the ground how to handle this you know disaster and that all it would take is controlling that person and then even though the firefighters and other uh, you know officials on the ground would be looking at each other and like and going did he just tell us to do that? That did not make any sense to let this burn off. The chemicals will get in the air. It'll cause people to get sick. It'll kill the animals and the trees. But, you know, people are trained to follow orders. And if, you know, if the guy high enough up the chain says do it, you're going to do it. So it's hard to, to know. Yes, sometimes there are real accidents and people really do dumb things by accident. But a lot of times what looks like a mistake uh, could actually be something that was intentional uh, higher up the food chain. So you're right. I mean, we shall see how this... Uh, unfolds but it's pretty pretty serious and something to keep keep an eye on
1: it's very disastrous for the people that live there they're going to have a mess now for years because that stuff will lay in low-lying areas under their houses in their water for years and it's going to be a mess but hopefully that was just a one circumstance thing and i guess we'll know later uh next podcast we need to talk about the marburg virus ebola and some of the other stuff that's coming down the pipe because it won't be long probably before it's here yeah but that's another subject altogether
0: well awesome well randy uh thank you so much And another good update uh and uh, like you said we try to do this weekly but i could someday we may have to go to daily or hourly i mean who knows it's happening happening so fast but uh I want to thank everyone for listening uh, this morning. I want to encourage you to go back, if you've not yet done so, and listen to Tuesday night's Prophecy Night. It was our third installment in that series. Uh, We were not able to meet in person because of a big snowstorm in Colorado, but uh, we did. I did record it, and, and it's available to watch or listen to the podcast and spread the word on that one. And then uh, be watching your email because as I get ready this weekend uh, for the what is this world coming to conference, I'll be speaking seven times Saturday and Sunday uh, combined. And we are going to live stream that. I confirmed with the host uh, church, Uh, they are going to be live streaming it. So as soon as we get there and kind of get the details and and figure out the link where they're going to be live streaming to, we will send that out by email in case folks want to uh, watch the conference live. But even if you can't watch it live and there's four sessions on Saturday, three on Sunday, uh, we will be recording all of my messages and posting those, as we always do, uh, to our video page at notbyworks.org and the audio podcast channels uh, wherever you listen to our uh, podcast. So uh, be in prayer for us as we uh, you know get set up. It's an it's a exciting conference. I'm really, really looking forward to all the different uh, things that I'm going to be talking about. And looking forward to meeting some new friends, as we always do when we're uh, at these uh, types of events. My family is with me, so pray for safe uh, journey as, as well. And uh, we will uh, check in again, uh, Randy, next week. And for the rest of our listeners, we will check in again with some po- podcast uploads here in uh, the coming day. So thanks, Randy. Really appreciate you, as always. My pleasure, sir. God bless. Y'all take care.